So as you know, this happens every single Monday on our Instagram live at 1.30 p.m. And like I said, we've had some really cool people on them, like Matter, who has really cool stories about some of the work they've done. Um, and again, like with Matter, I think one of my favorite things is just the crazy amount of different things he's done um, and really immersed himself into. So I'd love for him to share that with all of you today. Uh, but yeah, I think like we can just go ahead and get started. Um, I've known Natter for about a year or so. And when we initially uh, met, it was at the co-working space that uh, we personally work with at the agency. And for us, it was just really awesome to obviously be with some really great people who are just working away at their projects, working away at making their dreams come true, uh, bringing their visions to life. And Natter and Jay at Pure Filters is one of them. So just by talking with you guys, it was really cool to learn more and more every day about you know, the roadblocks you're running into and the people you're meeting and obviously being at events together was always super fun. So how about we start off with you telling us a little bit about um, some of the things you've worked on in the past in terms of, I know there was the digital agency that you were at with Jay for several years, then came Pure Filters. And then obviously I want to talk about Maskwell because that's been a blast to work on with you guys. So how about you start off there? Like, tell us a little bit about your start in the marketing world. And then let's jump into Pure Filters right after that. Sounds good. Um, well, first of all, April, thanks so much for having me on today. Uh, it's great to, to you know, ch chat with you and uh, get in front of your audience. Appreciate everybody showing up. Um, brief history on, uh, on me is uh, I actually started off uh, in the finance world. I started off as an analyst at TD Waterhouse, did that for about three years. And uh, to be honest with you, I really, really hated it. Um, so I ended up leaving that in 2017 and ended up in uh, in startups, Pure Filters was kind of a, a baby from Clientflow. Clientflow was basically an ad agency, uh, but a different kind of ad agency. It's not a creative agency. We're more performance marketing, and we really focused on paid advertising of different kinds. And so, we, I mean, we did pretty good. We had about 130 clients at the peak of that, but uh, a lot. some of our clients actually were HVAC contractors. Mm -hmm. And so Pure Filters was kind of born out of kind of getting to know that industry. And we realized that HVAC contractors didn't want to change filters. And so customers didn't you know, necessarily want to call, call contractors to come in and, and, uh, and change the filters either. They're looking for an online solution. And at the, time, at the time, believe it or not, it was such a boring, you know, um, overlooked industry. I believe um, it. <laughs> and, and antiquated. I mean, nobody was really thinking about it. So yeah. I put up a landing page. This is 2015. Um, and and kind of just closed my eyes and forgot about this landing page put up a couple of ads and and sure enough after the weekend went to check my email and you know i was like what the heck there's there's a couple orders here and so pure filters was kind of born out of that i didn't even know how to get the filter and i'm just like whoa this is crazy yeah. so it was like and a happy that. experiment it was yeah, like a happy that. mistake also experiment in one <laughs> <laughs> yeah literally yeah it was uh it was definitely it was definitely pretty random um what do you call it uh it's uh it, it kind of it was born organically in that sense, and, and it was a it was a spinoff of of the ad agency, and so I treated right. it as such for a couple of years. Um, it, it really wasn't the primary focus for me. I was really focused on the ad agency and a couple other random hustles I was doing, but it grew and grew and grew and got to the point in 2018 where I just decided I'm going to fully focus on it, and uh, I left the ad agency and started working on pure filters. 
Love that. Yeah, I mean, even for us as an agency, it's so, so important to work on your own projects, internal projects, passion projects, because just like you, you never know when one of them is actually your true calling. So uh, you always want to try as many things as you can, right? Um, Right. So I I remember I once was on a panel with Jay, I was the moderator, and that's the first time I actually heard the story of how like pure filters came to be, and I I absolutely love that story. Um, (laughs) So I'm glad you told everyone just now, but what was like, at what point was it where you realized like, beyond it becoming successful, at what point did you realize, hey, like, this is where I really want to be. This is the industry that I want to kind of continue to grow in and become a thought leader in. Because it's really impressive, like the knowledge that you and Jay have in the, in the filtration world, right? And you mentioned yeah. it too, like, it's not the most glamorous thing. It's a pretty mundane thing. And I think that's what was so cool to me is how you guys were working really hard to make it a priority for people building a lifestyle around it. Um, and that's where we all kind of connected is our love for like the branding side of everything and really sh- showing the story and telling the mission in really unique ways. So yeah, so at what point was it, did you realize like, hey, this is something I really wanna dive into and continue growing, especially when it comes to the lifestyle aspect of living healthier lifestyles, right? Yeah, totally. Um, okay, well, I would say that I, I've always been in love with the direct, the direct to consumer world of e-commerce. And, and uh, I mean, for those of you that don't know what direct consumer means, it, it, it basically means you're cutting out the middleman, which oftentimes is a store. So I'll give you examples that you may know, uh, like Dollar Shave Club or um, Fenty or uh, Casper or Endy. These are all direct consumer businesses. So I've always liked those kind of businesses, e-commerce and, and selling to consumers. So um, I, I really got behind Pure Filters when I realized that there really isn't an option out there for people I, I can't model this you know based on another uh, filter company that exists out there so i'm a creative guy i wanted to kind of put the pieces to the puzzle i grew up playing a whole lot of lego and it kind of felt like that <laughs> to me right so um that was kind of part of it the other part of it was the challenge of really taking an industry that wasn't used to believe it or not this industry never really marketed towards Mm-hmm. consumers they were more focused on industry and and commercial and so i like that challenge right there and we were really reinventing this business model or, or not as a matter of fact we're inventing the business model um in this industry it didn't it didn't really exist before um mm-hmm. and so in that time i mean sure enough there's been a couple competitors who have come and gone but that was basically it for me i really enjoyed the challenge of it the other part of it was it wasn't so much that i was really like super in love with filters necessarily, but I really, really love the, the world of entrepreneurship and, and getting out there and meeting like-minded people who are trying to solve problems of their own kind. And so that also, you know, me talking to those kind of people, being around those, those, in those circles, um, really pushed me to get better and better and better. And so that's kind of how um, it went from being a side project for, you know, yeah. some uh, weekend money to being a pretty legitimate business. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely vouch for the fact that you love the entrepreneurial space, especially in Toronto. I see you guys everywhere. And uh, we have a lot of mutual connections in our network, which is amazing. But I think that's a great segue into currently in the pandemic, like, how are you handling this from a business perspective, but also personally, right? I think Mm -hmm. a lot of us really enjoyed seeing the people that are working, uh, you know, alongside us on their own project. But it's really cool to consistently see people who are kind of going through the same things we're going through right just trying to you know build something out of nothing trying to constantly innovate so how's that been for you how are you kind of keeping 
that aspect going. Obviously, doing this is super fun, and I love doing this. Uh, yeah. But it, there's def- it's different being at an event with hundreds of people, right? So yeah. how has that switch been for you, and how are you making up for that gap right now? Well, it's it's been – it hasn't been as hard for me as most people. I've always – one of the things when I started out um, – my entrepreneurial journey um, was was that I wanted the ability to to work remotely, and 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 I might have mentioned this earlier, but uh, I really decided to pursue the entrepreneurial route when I was traveling for six months, and I was I was basically like working working and living out of a backpack, and I was yeah. all I had with me was a few clothes and some books and my laptop, and I really got used to working remotely, and since that time, which is 2015 to now. I wanted to always make sure I could remain agile, mm-hmm. um, which I think is is something that's helped us uh, today in the pandemic um, kind of adjust pretty quickly because my entire team is set up remotely. In fact, a lot of our employees do live in different cities around the world and stuff like that. Um, and so everybody's, you know, we have the software, we call it a tech stack, right? We have our Slack, and we have our, our Zoom and all that normal stuff that we communicate on. Um, but we also know how to get stuff done, right? We set goals for projects and get them done. Now, that's allowed us operationally to make sure the business keeps running. But the business itself has been doing pretty well in the pandemic, to be honest with you. And we're pr- I'm pretty grateful for that. And uh, I think it's, <clears throat> it's, it's, uh, it's a perfect storm, no pun intended. Like, yeah. it, it's, it's kind of like, okay, we, what do we sell? We sell, we basically sell indoor air quality, right? That's the... Um, oh what the main point of a, a filter is for. Well, guess what? People are stuck inside right now. People are in their homes and they're a lot more cognizant of, of um, you know, what the, the air they're breathing because as we know, COVID-19 is respiratory disease. Mm-hmm. And so um, people have been coming and people can't go to the store, right? There's no stores right. that are open. So people have been coming online to look for solutions to, for their indoor air quality because they're at home all day. And, you know, sure enough, um, we've been, we made it a good point, a big, big priority, in fact, uh, to be high in the Google rankings to focus on SEO and, and uh, people have been coming to us. So business has been going well, um, you know, sales have been improving and we've been able to meet customers needs. So, you know, and, and we're all healthy too, which I'm also happy about. So everything's good. Yeah. Okay. Love that. And I completely agree with you when you mentioned like it's how important it is to stay nimble. I think that's what's made the transition so great for us at the agency is I, we always like really pushed our team members to be as nimble as they can. We always empower them to kind of use their time, how they felt it was the most, they were being most productive. Um, And I think that's really helped us with this current transition because it's our current reality. Right. So now one thing I actually wanted to jump to is I want to talk a little bit about e-commerce businesses. I think that there's obviously a ton of best practices that exist but I'm sure that there's a ton of things that you know now that you wish you knew when you were first doing all of this, right? Yeah. So <laughs> for anyone who's <laughs> trying to launch an e-commerce business right now, what are some of the, like, what, what would you tell them right off the bat? Uh, but also, like, what were some of the biggest hurdles you had to deal with that you just never expected with an e-commerce business? Especially building it from scratch, too, right? Right, right, right. Okay, that's a couple qu- different questions there. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll... So let's start with one, which is, what do you wish you knew that you know now about building an e-commerce business? That's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, no, every, every entrepreneur will tell you that entrepreneurship is hard, but e-commerce particularly, I think, I wish I had known that 
you really need to test, test, test. You got to get to know who your customers are. We call it A-B testing in the marketing mm -hmm. world. If you don't know what that is, just Google it. It's pretty <laughs> important. It's a pretty important uh, concept, you know. You know, see see what works and, and pick the, you know, go all in on the thing that works, reiterate on it, um, things like that. The other part of it, I think, is 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 to stay agile as well. Um, mm -hmm. As we, you know, your last question was about the pandemic and things like that. And, and as I mentioned, we were able to adjust because when things changed, we were able to, you know, quickly pivot and, 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 and uh, stay alive. Mm -hmm. So staying agile in the broad sense is very important. And then finally, really, really focus on the fundamentals. And, and I think the, the most important thing any startup e-commerce business should focus on is unit economics. And what unit economics means is simply do your revenues minus your expenses equal a profit. And um, for most 99% of e-commerce companies, you're going to be bootstrapped. And that means you're not going to take funding from outside sources, right? Unless you're the Endies, the Caspers, um, the, you know, the Dollar Shave Clubs of the world, the Harry's, you have to be able to survive on your, you, you know, your business's profit. And so if, you're, if your profits aren't thick enough, guess what? You're not going to be able to hire a team. You're not going to be able to scale up. And you're not going to have money that you can put away for a rainy day. And so I know that from being around a lot of e-commerce entrepreneurs, most people forget that. You know, they see the money coming in into their Shopify account. They get into their bank account. And they, you know, they go and either, you know, reinvest in the marketing, which is great. But they may not be doing it profitably. So right. really, really focus on uh, the unit economics that's a, that's a huge thing. And, and we messed up on that for about a full year last year. And that was the best year up to that point that we had had in sales. So we didn't really, I mean, this is kind of my fault. I didn't really care that much. I, I just got money coming in, but we eventually got into a cash flow crunch that almost folded the business in half. <laughs> yep. And so um, we got pretty desperate at that time and tried to raise money and stuff like that. But I, I realized that you don't need to raise money. And in mm -hmm. fact, it's better not to raise money. Just, just make 100%. sure you got your economic, your economic side crisp. Got it. And one other thing that, well, the reason why we ended up working together is because of your passion for branding, right? So yeah. I think that's so incredibly important for a lot of e-commerce businesses, especially when you're not necessarily the innovator. It's so incredibly important to really paint that picture for your audience, right? So I think like right off the bat, that's why, you know, our teams got along so well is because we saw the value in the brand. So let's talk a little bit about that. Like for you as a founder who's working really closely on developing the product and the business, and a lot of founders have, you know, they, this is a huge pain point for them where they just can't dedicate enough time and resources to the branding aspect, right? So yeah. for you, I'd love to hear a little bit about your thought process there um, and how we ended up working together too, right? It was yeah. because you saw the need for there to be that brand with Pure Filters and any other project that you're working on too. So we'd love, to, love, we'd love for you to talk about that a bit. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I, I would say that my understanding of branding as as kind of been elevated and, and refined yeah. thanks, thanks to you, you guys at Now Creative. Um, we were <laughs> lucky enough to end up with an office beside yours and meet you guys and stuff like that. So I learned a lot from you guys, obviously. But um, I think branding in, an e in the e-commerce world is paramount, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, once you get past the fundamentals of, like, say, the unit economics and just making sure the business can survive, you got to figure out how you can differentiate and you got to know who your customer is and how to speak to them. And so if you look at any great e-commerce business, you cannot name one that does not have great branding, right? And so right. When, in, in our particular case, Pure Filters, we sell such a 
boring and mundane <laughs> product, right? Yeah. We have to be able to differentiate ourselves from what else is out there. And so, you know, you know, for us, we, we realized that nobody else was really thinking about this. So we put some more emphasis into branding. Not that it's even where it needs to be to this, to this point. There's a lot of room for improvement, but branding is, is probably one of the most important things because that's how you get eyes. That's how you speak to your customers. And that's how they come and follow you. That's they, you know, they follow you around, they follow you on social media, they tell your friends about you, uh, tell their friends about you. Um, and that leads to, you know, things like word of mouth and virality. And uh, we've seen some amazing examples of that in the world. Um, you know, uh, like Dollar Shave Club, like they yeah. had that ad campaign um, where the guy on YouTube, where the guy was running through the factory and just, I don't know, it's being dumb, but up. it was, yeah. <laughs> that blew up, right? That was yeah. viral. And that's how right. they got, they got huge, right? And, and trust me, that wasn't by accident, right? Those guys of planned course. that out. Um, and that was just simply good branding. So I think branding is super important. And if you don't know how to do branding, read books, yep. get to know people like April um, <laughs> and now creative because it, it is really important. Love it. And I mean, that's the thing is like all the brands you just mentioned, like Dollar Shave Club, Endy, Casper, there's so many of them right now. They all took massive risks, right? Yeah. Um, they took massive risk, risks. They really showed their true brand voice. They're extremely consistent too. Um, and they're putting out a ton of content, but like valuable content, not just content for the sake of having content, but they're putting out stuff that their audience really wanted to listen to and read. So I think they really nailed that. Um, and you mentioned like, I've learned actually a ton from you for sure when it comes to like the e-commerce side. Working on Maskwell has been actually a blast. And I, I obviously, I'm, we're going to talk a ton about that right now because uh, that's just something that's, yeah, that's like grown so intensely over the last three to four weeks. So I know when you came to me initially about the project, <laughs> it, was a, it was very simple. Um, you just wanted to make sure that there was someone who knew anything to do with branding there from the start, which I yeah. really respected. Um, <laughs> but I want you to like, before we even dive into that full story, I want to talk about the idea even before you approached me right like what was kind of going through your head um in terms of recognizing the opportunity and where you wanted it to go um because you came to me with a, like a super clear vision too so i'd love for you to touch on that okay well i i, I wanted to do something anything prior to the mm -hmm. whole pandemic started i wanted to do something where i could have some sort of sort of social aspect number one number two solve a solve a real problem an urgent problem mm -hmm. And uh, number three, do something that I had, you know, a competitive advantage in. Mm -hmm. And uh, when the pandemic hit, you know, me being an entrepreneur, my mind's always in that problem solving mode. And um, I realized early on that in Asia, since H1N1 happened in what, 2008 and nine, wearing masks has, has been a, a, like a lifestyle thing. And it started off because people were wearing masks to stop the spread of infection and that sort of thing but it kind of just stayed on and now we're uh, 10 11 years later and it's still going on there so when the pandemic hit here and in europe people weren't really wearing masks i mean obviously it wasn't really recommended at first by the big governing bodies like the cdc and the who and stuff like that but uh, i kind of saw things going that way and um okay okay cool maybe i could do masks but everybody's gonna be doing masks how can my mask be better and so one of our filters, it's, it's uh, called the MRF-13 filter. It's an efficiency, and it basically means how small are the particulates that can get captured through the filter before it goes to the other side. And so MRF-13, I can actually capture particles that are small enough that, that even carry viruses and things like that. So we took the media, we call it media, the fabric inside that filter, and repurposed it 
to put it inside of our masks because that way we could like first of all i mean we could we could provide a solution a better mask and number two i mean it's 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 going to stop the spread of the infection out but also in because there's a filter in between and a very specific kind of filter it's um uh you know so basically we repurposed the the filter media the fabric from our pure filters filters and put it into to the mask well filters and that's kind of how the concept of it got started got it yeah it was like it was pretty interesting when he came to me and like right off the bat we wanted to find a way that we can obviously partner with other organizations throughout the city so it's been really cool partnering with the home front um but it all happened extremely fast which was really cool to work on um the expertise that you and jay were able to bring were really cool especially from the e-commerce side um so i think it was like almost like a like a match made in heaven right it was it's been a great partnership so when it comes to e-commerce businesses, I you already mentioned a couple that you love. We talked about Dollar Shave Club. We talked about Andy. We talked about Casper. Um, what are some like, what are some of the main things that you think really do set them apart beyond the marketing? Because we talked about authenticity. We talked about their ability to take risks. But beyond that, what do you think has really made it possible for them to be the success that they are? Because they've completely blown up over the past few years. Uh, I think it's it's um, finding a way to stand out from the crowd mm-hmm. and I'll give you some real examples. So Casper, they, they put a lot of time into branding and marketing, right? That's obvious. Yes. But what people don't know is they didn't just go and, and put out ads across the whole United States. What they actually did, believe it or not, it was really, really focused on two main markets. One of them being New York city and the other one being Los Angeles. They didn't put out, just any kind of ad or any sort of campaign, they really focused on, on one particular thing. So it, what they did, Casper did was they bought out all the ads for all the subway stations um, for like a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. right? So when you, if you're a commuter and you're hopping on the subway, subway line, you're like, what the heck is this? What is a Casper, right? And, and so at that time, nobody knew what Casper was. People go and Google it. People will check it out. Wow. Wow. This is novel. It's a, it's a mattress in a box. <laughs> the interesting thing is that they weren't the only people doing that. There was like right. 15 different companies that all bought from the same supplier. Mm-hmm. Right? They all have the same uh, mattresses that come in the same boxes. So, same way Andy does too. But they, um, they were to differentiate themselves because everybody who was coming on the subway lines, they were, you know, they're talking to the guy standing beside them like, Whoa, that's crazy. Casper. Right? Oh, I just got one last week, you know? And then they'd be get, getting delivered on these little bicycles, right? Instead of instead of being delivered with um, UPS because they're only being delivered in New York City. So right. um, that was really cool. Um, that was one one example. Another one was the uh, the Dollar Shave Club one that I gave uh, a minute ago. Um, they really they, these these two companies really focused on on uh, the, the branding, right, and the marketing. Right. Um, other examples I would say would be more like influencer type examples um like kylie jenner a lot of people i actually believe that she's one of the great entrepreneurs of our time like she's i don't even know how old she is late early 20s and she's a billionaire well okay yeah i know she was born into wealth but she wasn't born she wasn't born a billionaire that's for sure right but what ended up happening was some makeup company came to her to her approached her and they decided we're going to partner up i'm going to use my influence i'm kylie jenner i'm going to use my influence to push this this makeup brand right and so that was cool too that was like that was huge right um that was influencer marketing so they they all kind of did something different right it wasn't it wasn't just like 
basic putting out ads onto Facebook with just a <laughs> crappy little video and stuff like that. I mean, that will get you sales and stuff, but that yeah. will never allow you to scale to seven figures and eight For figures sure. and nine figures and beyond. Yeah, and you just said something really important there. You mentioned that it'll get you that conversion, but it's not going to get you that long-term growth, right? Yeah. Like some of the brands that you just mentioned have. So it sounds like focus is extremely important. Making a yeah. priority of the things that should be a priority, such as telling the brand story, really getting your mission values across, and making the brand as human as you possibly can. And then lastly would be, you know, use your differentiating factor as much as you can, right? Um, yeah. I think that's extremely important. Mafuz is here and he just said he loves the subtle difference, uh, subtle differentiators that make a world of a difference. Absolutely. And that's, that's the facts, thing is bro. I think, a, yeah, <laughs> I think <laughs> a lot of brands think it has to be like a strategy or like rocket science. It really doesn't have to, right? Um, I think sometimes it's it's what you have right in front of you that you can make a huge difference with. And that, that's the thing with Maskwell, right? That happens yeah. so fast. We have to work with whatever we can. And I think the most important thing we did there was we figured out, okay, what is our priority? Our priority is to give back to our community as much as we can. So yeah. we figured out how are we going to do that? And we worked backwards from there. We almost immediately looked into, okay, what's the story here? Like, what do we, what are we trying to communicate to people here? It's more than selling masks. It's, it's really trying to protect the small businesses. So we actually just launched our small business campaign yesterday, which is super yeah, exciting. I'm so excited and, about that. And uh, yeah, so that, that launched yesterday. So it's really finding ways to continue partnering and supporting our community that we always have. Um, so yeah, figure out what your priorities are. And I think that goes like an extremely long way. Um, so one thing I actually want to jump into would be a little bit more about your entrepreneurial story and some resources that have really helped you accelerate the process and continue to help you be the thought leader that you are. But I also wanted to make sure that before we jump into that, that I let you all know that there is time for questions. So if you have any questions, just click the little question mark at the bottom right and you can submit it there or you can just put it in the comments. Um, so we're going to save around 15 to 20 minutes for that um, at the end of the live. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit again about your entrepreneurial journey. Um, almost every time that I'd walk into your office, there's like a stack of books on your desk or there's a book that you're recommending to me and or there's a podcast you're listening to. And I'd love to hear about like some of the ones that are really helping you get through these tough times right now, uh, whether it's a book or a podcast or any other sort of entertainment. Uh, what has been your go to lately? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I definitely like to read books. Um, I, I, I don't necessarily read books from start to finish. Um, I, and I, I used to, I used to. Um, but what I started to do is, is I read, you know, a few chapters that interest me or a few topics that interest me. And then I close a book and come back to it maybe, you know, six months later, a year later. Um, and that's kind of helped me develop a more, and then I just don't read, like say, I just don't read book, business books necessarily. I'll read yeah. books about history or you know, even fiction books or, um, yeah, and, and, and just also trying to understand the fundamentals of concepts. I'm always just mm -hmm. trying to improve my knowledge. So books is for sure one. Uh, another thing is podcasts. I have a couple that I really like. Um, I'll tell you guys one that I just re-listened to that I've been trying to get everybody to listen to as well. It's by one of my favorite like people and personalities in the world. I, I don't know the guy really in person, but I, I, I know of him very well. His name is Naval Ravikant and people call him the, uh, the, the Socrates of Silicon Valley. He's kind of like a, a startup guy turned investor turned philosopher. And he did this amazing tweet storm called how to get rich. Um, how to go, oh, how to get rich without making luck, without using luck. 
right? Without sorry, how to get rich without getting lucky. That's what it was. And I mean, it sounds really douchey. It sounds like oh, how to get rich, get rich quick, get rich quick scheme. But it's not really that. It's honestly like a philosophy. It's a framework for your mind um, on how to pursue things like business, as well as learning and managing things that are really important in life, like your health your relationships and your wealth, right? And so, um, and spirituality, of course. So that, there was a podcast where he, he released, which is about three or four hours long, which he went into each one of those tweets, which is like 30 tweets or whatever, and spent like five, 10 minutes on them. And um, I honestly, I, I would listen to this again. Like, yeah, I just <laughs> list, finished listening to it right now, but it's unreal. But the tweet storm itself is really good. Um, but in general, other other podcasts that I listen to, I like Rogan a lot. I mean, it just he just so all over the place. I love it. Um, I like um, this one called The Hustle, um, and it's called My First Million by The Hustle. It's uh, it's actually a blockchain podcast. Incredible. If you're into e-commerce, if you're into software as a service or SaaS, check these guys out. Two, two podcasts a week, um, but they're all just like just thinking of ideas. Like really, sometimes they're really dumb. Sometimes they're really cool. <laughs> uh, but like, it's just really cool because they. Uh, they talk to interesting people too and have really interesting mm-hmm. guests. So podcast for sure. And then finally, just being in touch, um, being out there, talking to people, what that means. And these days, I mean, obviously we're not really talking in person so much. So Twitter is a good place to go to. Reddit is a good place to go to. Um, people say Quora. I don't go on Quora too much, but um, I, I imagine it's decent too. But you get to know people and develop those relationships. You don't necessarily need to develop relationships with people like exactly in your industry but it's really really important to to develop relationships with people in somewhat adjacent industries because you will learn a lot and trust me they'll introduce you to ideas and concepts and you can bounce ideas of your own off them so you'll become a smarter person as a result for sure yeah two really important things you mentioned there is it seems like perspective is extremely important so i thought it was really cool that you mentioned that you don't typically read business books but you read completely different types of books that really influence your perspective on how you approach your business, right? Which is really cool. Um, I think that's a huge thing that a lot of people can take away today. And the other thing that you mentioned is when it comes to networking and building relationships, they don't necessarily need to be in your industry, which is so incredibly important, especially for us where we don't necessarily niche in any industry, right? For us, we have a bottom line mission, which is to support as many small businesses as we can, for sure but also to really help brands tell their true story. So for us, it doesn't really matter which niche you're in. So we're meeting all sorts of people every day, talking to all sorts of people every day, sorry, right now. But uh, when we're going to events, like we're meeting so many different types of people. And that was the beauty of it, right? Uh, We loved how it was a playground and how everyone was at so many different stages of their business. That's also really important, right? Is meeting people who are at the same stage as you, but also meeting people who are in different stages of um, their entrepreneurial journey. I think that's incredibly important. Um, so when it comes to, you mentioned some really great podcasts, you mentioned some really great books as well. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about some tools that have been game changers for you. Um, like obviously it can be as simple as Slack, like Slack's personally been a game changer for myself and my team. Um, it's been really great for us working on Maskwell too, especially when it comes to like two teams coming together. Yeah. It's been a perfect tool for us to have. Uh, but I'd also love for you to talk about like some potentially some Canadian brands. Like I know Shopify is something that you really are, you know, you're always vouching for them. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about um, those types of tools that have been a game changer for you, whether it be professionally or personally. Well, um, I would say in, in professionally, 
I have a, a tech stack that I swear by, and I think any e-commerce person should maybe consider this because it took me about five years of trial and error to get to this one. But Shopify, selling Shopify, it's way better than WooCommerce or any of the other ones. And they're constantly, constantly getting better. Like it's, I mean, I just, I've seen so much improvement with those guys and it's well worth the price. So Shopify for sure, host your website there, um, build your plat uh, website platform on Shopify. Um, use the software called ShipStation to manage orders because when you get to certain volume of orders, um, I mean, there's, there's days where we get 50, 100 and even more orders than that. Uh, we use software, the software called ShipStation, and it's not something like 70 bucks a month, but it really organizes all your orders for you. You can print out shipping labels and stuff like that. So it just honestly saves so much time. So that one is definitely worth it. Slack is great for communication. Uh, you can, you know, everybody knows Slack. I don't want to get into that one. Um, but that's, Slack is amazing for video conferencing. Google Hangout, Zoom, both of them are fine. Um, I never really tried Instagram live to, or like <laughs> this thing too much, but it seems all right too. Um, for yeah, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you, if you're like me, I'm, I'm actually a pretty forgetful person. Um, I'm, I, 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 I'm an organized time. So. I love, I love the self-deprecating humor. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I am. And, and uh, I mean, these days, most of my, my work is, is emailing and, yeah. and trying to like, I don't know, talk to people, make deals and that sort of thing. And so it's really bad if I forget to uh, answer an email. And I often yeah. do until I got the software called Superhuman. And uh, oh, it's, yeah. it's we pretty, were talking about that. Yeah. I told you about that. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, um, I love it. I, I actually have it for two different email accounts now. And like, it just wow. reminds you that yeah. it's, it, you know, it's, it's cool. When someone emails you and you don't know who it is, it actually brings up the LinkedIn profile on the side. So you know no who you're talking to. It, uh, t you know, it tells you everything um, to do with that person. So you kind of have an idea of who you're speaking to. Um, so that's a pretty good piece of software too. Personally, I got to have my iPhone. Um, yeah. I have my MacBook. And when I'm traveling, I bring an iPad along with me. And I use that iPad as a second monitor. Got um, it. Yeah. And every morning I wake up, I do uh, some brain exercises. I use an app called Elevate. It just gets me going in the morning. Um, and before any meeting, I, I like to actually just read a book. Just so I, I, I'm, I'm like... You know, I'll be able to, I'm able to formulate words and, and I try to read that book out loud um, just so I, I'm not, I, I, used <laughs> stuttering, I used to have a stuttering problem yeah. and I kind of yeah. still have it, but, but it helps me kind of just make sure I'm speaking concisely and, and awesome. enunciating my yeah. words. Yeah, that's such a cool trick. Like I, I it's, I'm laughing because I never thought of that. Like I never thought to just read it out loud, right? Um, yeah. but it makes a ton of sense. The comments here are really funny. Daniel wants to know how I'm doing in my sweater. I'm doing just fine. I think I'm gonna last maximum 30 more minutes. It's hot out here. Honest. Um, <laughs> says you can almost hear the birds getting more hyped every time you drop a drum in this live. Absolutely, they're getting pretty loud right now. Um, but yeah, no, that was that was really awesome. Like I love how you went through such a different like wide range of tools um yeah but i love how you mentioned like right down to like the types of like devices that you're using too right i think that's so yeah. important that's something i'm personally trying to get better at and better at every day it drives daniel completely crazy um i uh yeah when it comes to like the like phones and stuff i think it's so important to be as productive as you can especially with your iphones and your 
laptops and just making sure you're not getting distracted right hey so, april yeah I, I got a question so speaking of devices yeah. i just took out one airpod because i wanted to yeah. charge it while the other one's here it <laughs> goes out can you hear me all perfect. right perfect yeah it's perfect okay. yeah all right yeah it's great um so now you <laughs> cool. know you can do that <laughs> yeah but yeah no that, that's really cool i'm i'm glad you went through through a lot of those details and superhero is actually really awesome i haven't gotten on that bad bandwagon just yet but i've heard some really cool things going to be completely honest, not the biggest fan of emails. So anything that would um, help in that realm, I'm willing to try. So I'm definitely going to take a look at that. Um, we have a couple of questions right now. And I'll mention again to the audience, especially if you just joined, if you have any questions, just click the little question mark uh, down below and you can go ahead and submit them. Uh, but we'll take Mark Simone's first. And um, Mark Simone is actually someone we partner, we partner with Kings for Media as agency all the time when it comes to digital um, paid social, they're basically one of our main technical arms. So he's wondering, how are you handling Instagram and Facebook extremely, Instagram and Facebook's extremely strict guidelines surrounding advertising PPE products? Um, and this is close to home because this is something that we talk about almost all the time on our weekly calls for mask yeah. So um, we learned a lot, a ton from you guys about this. So I'd love for you to share it with Mark and the rest of the audience. Well, you're a subject matter expert on this too. Now, so, <laughs> at at um, this point, I, of course, yeah. I'll fill the gaps if I notice any. <laughs> um, well, you know, to be honest with you, uh, Mark, um, we, we don't advertise on Instagram and Facebook um, because the guidelines are so strict. And, and I honestly don't want to mm. get banned. Um, I've yep. seen other people, I've seen other people advertising and somehow their ads get through. And I think you can go through an appeals process. Uh, the appeals process is pretty intricate. I mean, it, it could take a lot of back and forth with a certain department at Facebook. Um, you can do live chat with them. Uh, there's there's a live chat feature. If you go to your ad manager and go to support and then go to chat, you can chat with them. And eventually you'll probably get approved. But, um, you know, just as fast, I think you might get denied. And not only denied, but banned for life. And um, mm -hmm. uh, somebody I know who was actually an expert uh, in – Instagram and Facebook advertising, he, he actually pointed, he advised us not to go that route. So, yep. um, so April and I and our team, we, we decided we don't want to advertise. We don't want to mm -hmm. put money into paid advertising for these products. And so we're really focusing on more, uh, I guess you could say guerrilla style marketing. I don't know how you could describe it. Is that fair to say? I'd, I'd say it's pretty fair, but I'd also say it's also been a little bit more of an organic approach. Um, organic something approach, you mentioned yeah. is, is it's true. Like we made a conscious decision right from the start. Like, is that somewhere we want to be advertising? And I think it was pretty easy for all of us to say no. Like, it was even beyond the risk. It was, is this really why we're doing this? No, because it wasn't all about the conversions, right? So, right. for example, like, we, instead of making Facebook and Instagram ads a priority, instead we made it a priority to partner with the home front, right? Yeah. Um, make sure that, you know, we're making those things a priority instead of conversions. Uh, we looked at where is the actual need and found out, okay, how we can um, go ahead and support those people that have that need. So um, I think when it comes to like advertising, as you mentioned already, like obviously do your homework, do your research, try to make sure that, uh, you know, you don't get into some deep problems like a lot of people already have. Um, I know one case you were mentioning, uh, Natter specifically, was the one person who got blocked from every single one of their accounts when it came yeah. to Facebook ads, right? So they had no access to any of these accounts. And it was a pretty huge, it was pretty painful for him to get it back as far as I know. And I think uh, you mentioned it was lucky that he got it back too, right? So yeah, I think the main thing is just do your research and homework and then also see if it's even 
the main place you should be prioritizing in terms of where you're advertising because there may be other opportunities that are um, probably even better ones, right? Right. Um, and then good segue into Daniel's question, which is what do you think of bigger fashion brands launching their own masks? Um, obviously, I want to hear about your general thoughts around this, but I also want to hear a little bit about how some of these brands are choosing to market the masks and how they're actually differentiating it. Because I've noticed ones where it's kind of like, okay, so like, you know, we're going to go ahead and release these masks that look really similar to other things that we offer and that's it. Um, and then there's ones that are doing really cool things when it comes to offering the mask. Um, they're looking at how they can actually give back to the community beyond just selling these masks, right? So what's your general thoughts around that? If you've seen any brands do it well, let us Tell us about it if you've seen brands do it not well. Would love to hear about that too. Um, I think it's it's cool in certain ways. Um, well, most I'm not gonna name names. Mm -hmm. Some brands that I, that I have typically like admired in in the past that I think are are just kind of jumping on it right now just to make some extra cash. Okay, yeah. you know what? That's that's business, right? I mean, there's an opportunity here. There's a need here. And uh, they're kind of there to fulfill it, so that's great. But um, I think like you gotta you gotta admire the ones who are going the next step. You know, I don't want to toot our own horn too much on Masquel, but but <laughs> you know we we donate ten percent of revenue, not even profit, but ten percent of all sales to the home front, right? We want to get PPE to the people who need it, and that's what we're donating the money for. So that is a, a good cause. And so other brands who are kind of doing doing that sort of thing too and that's really cool um but uh i don't know there's got to be something more to a mask than just being yeah. a mask i mean is, is it uh innovative in any way is there some te technological aspect to it that differentiates it is a filtration level there like better or is a comfort level there better is mm -hmm. it i don't know does it look really cool is it really fashionable is it really comfortable but if it's just your basic you know mask um you know it's it's cool, but but I, I don't necessarily love it. But I I've seen some cool masks though. I saw, I saw this one by Louis V. It's like it's crazy. Yeah. It's leather and it's got these like pants <laughs> on it and stuff like that. And it's like two hundred bucks. Like yeah, I won't be buying that, but I, I thought it looked pretty cool. Yeah, no, there's definitely been some really interesting ones I've seen, and I totally agree with you. It's kind of obvious when. Again, not that there's an issue with it when they're trying to make a buck and uh, yeah. when they're really trying to make a difference, right? So. Yeah, it, 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 it's obvious. So, so a lot of brands, I think they need to realize how obvious it is. Like I always remind my clients, like, listen, like your audience, they're not, they're not stupid, right? So yeah. it's so important to stay as transparent as possible. And that's been really important to us. I think like half the conversations that we've been having at Maskwell has been a lot about, okay, like what are the most important things that our customers want to know right now? We need to make sure we're telling them as proactively as we can, right? So I think right. we've been really great about that transparency. And I've noticed a lot of brands really do a great job there too. And I think that's made a huge difference. So For sure. yep, absolutely agree with everything you've mentioned there. So I'd love to, like, I do want to kind of end the conversation off with you letting us know about some final things that you want a lot of entrepreneurs to kind of keep top of mind as they continue to grow their dreams and their visions. Um, but I want to once again, remind the audience that you can submit more questions in the comments or just by clicking the question mark below. Um, we only have about 10 to 15 minutes left. So get your question in while you can. Um, but yeah, I want, I really would love to get, you know, have you tell the audience a little bit more beyond, beyond starting in the digital marketing space, beyond starting pure filters and 
beyond working on basketball now, what are some of those, what are some of the things that happen in between that may not be something that's on your radar right now, but definitely made a huge difference in your entrepreneurial journey, right? We always have those small opportunities that come and go. Uh, we always have those things that we think are going to work out really well and they don't. So uh, I'd love for you to share a couple of those with uh, everyone on the live today. Okay. Um, or even like a venture that you thought was going to be amazing and it just it didn't end up being because I we definitely have some of those projects too, right? I've tried so many, trust me. Like Exactly. In, in the last five years, I've probably yeah. tried like, I don't know, 10, 15 different ventures. Um, well, I'd say, um, okay, well, when we worked at the ad agency, um, we were we had 130 clients at one time and, and we were like uh, a pretty small ad agency for the most part, but we we, we kind of bit off more than we could chew. And mm -hmm. I think the lesson here was that 130 clients is nice because you can, you know, really, you know, stack your dough, right? Like you're, <laughs> you're making money, right? But the thing is, yeah. um, you kind of start maybe hurting your reputation because you can't mm -hmm. give as much attention to the ones that matter. And so I think one lesson there was to either scale your team up and give your clients or your customers, depending on what industry you're in, um, the attention and love that they deserve. Um, but at the same time, instead of maybe going for more volume, maybe consider raising your price because if you're yep. getting, you know, that many customers coming to you, you're probably doing a good job, but you know, you, it's, it's just unreasonable to expect that you're going to mm -hmm. be able to deliver that kind of quality. So that's one lesson. Um, another lesson more positively is, is um, I, I'm going to kind of regurgitate what uh, Naval said in that, in that tweet storm that I mentioned earlier, he, he had this whole thing about creating your own luck. And um, so what that means is, is to be in contact with people smarter than you. I mean, think about it. Like even chimps tend to raise their level of, <laughs> of uh, you know, yeah. an, um, intelligence when they're around five smarter chimps in them, right? But if they're mm -hmm. around five dumber chimps in them, well, guess what? They're, they're um, level of, of uh, performance and curiosity and all the other things kind of go down. And what Naval said is there's four kinds of luck. There's blind luck, which is kind of like serendipity, being in the right place at the right time. And that's like, that's exciting luck. I mean, it, things just happen. Yeah. Maybe you win the lottery or maybe you just meet someone that opened the door for you that you, you know, who knows, right? But oftentimes it's not really just blind luck. And the number two kind is luck from hustling. And that means like just waking up every morning and you know, ha having some sort of routine there where every morning you get right to work and, and uh, do your best, right? Always show up. Every single day, show right. up and at least trying to get 1% better. Third type of luck is preparation. Um, you know, you got to know what your goal is and you got to prepare to get to that goal. Obviously, things change along the way, but be prepared. And then the fourth one is is luck from your unique character and who you are that's, that's inside of you. Nobody else can have that kind of luck. Oh, oh, one sec. Are you there? Okay. You want to yep. uh, okay. let your personality shine. You don't, don't, don't try to be what other people want you to be. And and I think I learned that early on when I worked at in my previous role in finance. I was in the, in the bank. I was trying to be this guy that I really was not. And 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 everything started to like hurt. You know what I mean? I yeah. I, I didn't feel good <laughs> physically, mentally, and and my luck started to dwindle down. So. When I started to be more myself and, 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 you know, let people know who I really am, I think that's when things got better. So, right. um, that, that, yeah, that I mean, would be. It definitely doesn't. 
Yes, no, I completely agree. It doesn't help to pretend to be someone you're not, right? Um, yeah. And I think that's why our partnership worked out so well is because I think we're all being authentically ourselves right from the get-go. Um, and things kind of just went from there, right? We just started brainstorming so many ideas. Our teams are working on together. On, we're working together on things so organically all the time. Um, obviously, being in the same space helped a ton. But uh, I think that's the beauty of working alongside like-minded people is you guys just brainstorm the shit out of things and uh, you come up with some really awesome ideas out of that so um I do kind of want to like I find like your entrepreneurial story pretty really cool so if you had to kind of end off by giving everyone like one piece of advice what would that be um maybe something you wish you knew I know you've had so many different types of ventures that those could be five different things but if there were like a few things that you wish you could like tell any entrepreneur who's just starting off what would those things be um, okay, well, I'll speak of marketing and advertising because I think probably a lot of people who are watching this right now are probably interested in that sort of thing. Yeah. So um, I was in love with paid advertising early on when I, in any business that I started, and I, I started quite a few. Um, obviously, when I worked at an ad agency, all we did was paid advertising. So I was, you know, between me and my business partner, Jay, we got really, really good at it. And mm -hmm. so... Um, who was it? Mark who asked a question about advertising on Facebook and Instagram and, and uh, oftentimes it's Google as well. It, it's, it, it, it gets expensive. Like things you might be able to acquire a customer inexpensively through these channels early on, but unless you can retain them, um, that customer is gone after that one transaction. So focus on, other kinds of, of, uh, of marketing. Uh, definitely focus on SEO if you've got a website, which you should. Um, you know, modify your approach to focus on SEO because if you're thinking two, three, four, five years down the road, you want people to, to be able to find you. And SEO really is a long game. So even if you're a creator and you're on YouTube, uh, my girlfriend is, a, uh, is, 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 is um, doing, doing pretty well. She does pretty well on Instagram, but she's kind of shifting her focus onto YouTube right now. And so her following on YouTube is not quite as high as, 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 excuse me, as it is on Instagram. But one thing we've been doing together and I'm helping her out with this is making sure that SEO is on point because mm -hmm. when people go to search your videos a year, two, three years on a road, or when people go to search your website two, three years on a road, right. even a blog post, a video, any piece of content or your product listing, right? It's going to be at the top of the list. And if you're not on that first page of of uh, the Google Google rankings, honestly, you might as well be like in the elephant graveyard in, in Lion King, you know, like you should never go there, right? Don't go to the second page. So SEO is a big thing to focus on. And then finally, this is so underrated because it kind of seems old school and antiquated, but I think this is, this has been a, honestly the, the best thing that we ever did was we started at Pure Filters, we started to shift our focus away from PPC. We, we spent like 80% of our marketing budget on PPC paid advertising. And we, we, we started focusing more on email marketing. Why? Number one, email marketing is free. Number two, we, in, in five years, we've, you know, we've gotten, I don't know, 25,000 customers or, or maybe more than that now. Guess what? We have all their email addresses. And if they haven't bought from us in a year, we just send them an email every two weeks, every month, right? Just to remind them to, to purchase. People don't really unsubscribe. In fact, we get those few customers coming back to us, and they they come and buy buy um, you know more product from us. And guess what? It didn't cost us a penny, and we got to retain that customer. So our margins went from here to here, and that I think is is a fundamental thing in business. You must think about when you're thinking about the long term approach to 
to business. When you're starting out, sure, spend money on advertising. But when you you know start going, getting going a little bit, focus on SEO, focus on email. One hundred percent. I think that our like, email marketing strategy. Yeah, <laughs> always, <laughs> always. Uh, but I think that email marketing can be a game changer for sure if you have. A right, the right strategy if you really look at your audience and figure out what kind of communications they need I think that can be huge um but yeah that's so cool that you guys moved away from TPC to email marketing um because it's really interesting to see how some brands are doing it well and brands who aren't doing it so well um and I think it's really an art to master email marketing right um yeah. so Daniel actually has another question for us and I think this is like the perfect question for you because I think you've been in a lot. Well, let me start off with what the question is actually. It's what do you think about the future of offices and workspaces? Um, any plan? So the reason why I'm excited to ask you this is because I know that space is really important to you. Um, I know that there's probably a reason why you decided to go with Soho, right? Um, which is the co-working space that we met at for anyone who doesn't know. Um, but yeah, I know, I know that space is really important to you. So what do you think the future of offices and workspaces is going to be? We already talked about how your team is already very nimble and agile, but what do you think it's going to be? In, or also, what's your hope for it? Um, well, I think in the short term, I think co-working spaces as, as we knew it, uh, where a bunch of people from a bunch of companies coming or, or freelancers coming to one location to work, I, I don't think it's coming back anytime yeah. soon be, due to you know the pandemic and all that social distancing stuff. Mm -hmm. But... Um, I think there is going to be a place for it. First of all, I think I think working from an office in the corporate sense, um, it, it, I think I think that's done. I think yeah. work from home is here to stay, and um, so I think you're like, thinking more broadly here. I think commercial real estate is going to become kind of a uh, a thing of the past. I don't think you know you going downtown Toronto and seeing all those office buildings. I don't think they're going to be occupied by companies anymore. Yeah. I think they're going to be repurposed and and become something else, and so. People are going to be working home from home a lot, but at the same time, when you do have an organization, um, it, it, it probably is good to get some FaceTime. And I don't mean like on your iPhone. I mean like in person. Um, so I think with the, the future co-working spaces may be that groups of people, teams of people from companies will meet at a co-working space maybe once a week or once a month or once every quarter or once a year, I don't know, semi-regularly um, to to – you know, occupy a co-working space for that day or those few days, right, to spend some time. Um, but typically, I think people for the next year or two or who knows how long are going to be mostly working from home. I don't even yeah. think we'll be working from coffee shops anytime soon. 100%. No, absolutely. And that's something that we're all obviously talking about a ton because we're all just trying to figure out, like, we wonder when we're going to see each other next. We wonder when we're going to be able to get into a studio next um, for us on the production side. we have no idea when we'll ever get to do that. Right. Yeah. So I think that for us, we've been already, uh, please excuse the yelling in the background. If you can hear that, uh, it's children playing in their backyards, but um, be quiet. I know. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think that, I think that's extremely important is trying to figure out how is your team going to handle how workspaces are going to change. And it's not something that we can really ignore because it is going to be a huge change, as you mentioned, right? Um, yeah. Commercial real estate is going to be completely different. Um, a lot of current workspaces are going to be repurposed. So I'm really interested in seeing how that's going to change. But for us on our team, it's been really important to figure out the best way for us to handle this. So, But with that being we, said, I, I do hope to come back. I don't know about you. I know, yeah. I, I kind of <laughs> miss it, honestly. Absolutely, for sure. I, I'd love to be around 
the people that we were always around at Soho at some point again. So we're going to wrap now. I think we went through some really awesome things. I'm glad that you're able to share your story with everyone who joined us on the live. I had fun. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad you did. So for anyone who joined later on, we do this every single Monday at 1.30 p.m. We have some really amazing people on here, such as Natter, uh, who share their stories and their entrepreneurial journeys. So tune in. Um, next week, we are going to be really focusing on LinkedIn. So if you're really, if you want to know more about how to leverage LinkedIn, tune in. Um, and we're also gonna we're also gonna put out announcements about who our guest speaker is gonna be. So just stay tuned on Instagram. But thanks so much again, Natter. Really appreciate you you know, chatting with everyone here. Uh, you shared so much from where you started in the digital world to now. Um, but yeah, for everyone else, just stay tuned. And you can also find Natter on, what are, what, where's the best place to reach you? Um, I, I, you know what, I, like I said, I'm, I'm spending a bit more time on Twitter these days. So okay. you could check me out on Twitter. Nads did it, N-A-D-Z-D-I-D-I-T. Um, feel free to follow me on Instagram. Uh, add me up on LinkedIn. Um, other than that, I don't know. I'm, o- I'm always o- I'm open to meeting new people. So uh, shoot me a message and don't be shy. And I appreciate everybody uh, tuning in today. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Okay, awesome. So we're going to wrap here and I will talk to you soon, Adder. And for everyone else, see you guys next Monday at 1.30. Bye. Bye.